Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to a Super Bloom podcast. My guest today is Hallie Rosa. Hallie Rosa is a disability advocate from South Florida. While working at an NBC News affiliate at the age of 25, Hallie was injured in an accident that left her paralyzed from the waist down. And after noticing the lack of representation in society for the disabled community, Hallie sought to make changes. Fueled by her passion to not let circumstances define her, Hallie has worked to bring inclusiveness and accessibility to a whole new generation of consumers. I first read about Hallie's story in a news article. I don't want to get too much into it because I really want you to be able to hear Hallie's story from Hallie. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Hallie Rosa. Uh, well, I just also want to say uh, right out the gate, we're both Florida girls. Amazing. Um, I love that. We're where did you grow up in Florida? I grew up in Boca, but I live in Fort Lauderdale now. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's so you? beautiful there. I grew up in Orlando. Okay. So not anywhere beautiful by the water. Just, you know, the cultural epicenter of uh, Epcot and Disney. You know, but Winter <laughs> Park is big on the map now, I have to say. Winter Park is a very beautiful area. Did not grow up there either, but I grew up on a lake over, um, like on Lake Jessamine in that area of town. So I, I like, you know, lake life every day yeah. was very nice. I'm and sure. uh yeah, but it's a, it's an interesting state, especially now. But it is, uh, but especially growing up there, it is um, it's a unique place to grow up. For it sure. is. Someone was just asking me about it today. They're like, "Are you dating anybody?" I said, "No, I live in Florida." <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm like, no, not here. No, I know. But I do love like the just the bizarre like gator knowledge that we all have. You know, we all like I've I've been like at a wedding once where people were like swimming at dusk and I was like, no, 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 you do not. No. And there was just an article like recently, a couple months ago about a woman getting like fully eaten by a gator, this old woman walking her dog. Yes. Yeah. It happens. I know. That's why you do not walk little dogs by the lake. No, thank you. You do not go swimming in the morning or at dusk. Yeah. And Gator Patrol comes at nighttime to take them out of the lake if they ever need to be removed. Fun facts. Not interested in them. (laughs) Um, Did you like growing up in Florida as a young kid? I always say like I have no complaints, but after living like in Chicago, I personally feel like there's not like a crazy amount of culture here. It's like we have those like museums, but no one really goes, I feel like. Um, So for me, when I moved back, I chose Fort Lauderdale because it was more of, you know, a little bit of a city, I feel like. But yeah, I mean, it was nice. Like I have no complaints about growing up here. Uh, I just don't know if it's what I would want to do over again, if that makes sense. Yeah. When did, so when, how old were you when you moved? Cause you were initially, uh, you were a journalist, you, yeah. uh, worked on air. Is that what you always wanted to do? Did you always want to be a news broadcaster? Yeah. I always like picture up close and personal. Like that's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it's so Did crazy. you ever see that movie? No, I didn't. But it's so crazy because people are always like, oh, is that what you always wanted to do? Like, that's such like a very specific thing. But yeah, as a young kid, I like loved watching the morning news. And I was that weird child that like, it's so terrible to say, especially because I was in an accident. But like, if I saw an accident, I'd be like staring at it and, you know, want to see more, like want to know what happened. So it was always like ingrained in me. Uh, What did your parents do? My dad is a periodontist and my mom raised three of us. Oh my goodness. So for you to like want to go into broadcast journalism was definitely like a, okay, this is a It was uh, very very, random. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I had nobody in my family doing it. And it's a, it's tough to break into. It's very competitive. So hard. So hard. I remember when I first started getting into it, you know, there's like, you have to have an internship. And after that, it was like, I would literally sit down for hours and had a running list of stations to apply to because there are so many, you know, like there are so many in every city and, you know, the rejection letters would come in and I'd have to send more out. So it was, it was definitely a job in itself. Did you have to make a reel of like you pretending to do fake news stories? I did. And it was like kind of mortifying. (laughs) Like it was, it was like low key embarrassing. (laughs) Again, like my whole, my only education, like my only reference point is literally this movie Up Close and Personal, which you're going to have to watch after this conversation. It's so good. Um, But that's what she has to do. Yeah, it's probably better than Anchorman, (laughs) though, because that's usually the reference I get is Anchorman. And I'm like, I mean, you're not wrong, but like, I guess. That's hilarious. So you end up going, was North Dakota the first job that you got? It wasn't the first job that I got, but at the time it was very interesting there because of the massive oil boom. And, you know, when you first start out, you're like making nothing, obviously, but they had pretty good, you know, like incentive to go there at the time because they had so much going on, which sounds odd because people are like, North Dakota, what happens there? 
But, you know, there was like a major flood right before I moved there that basically knocked out the city. Um, and then they had to rebuild the whole place and the oil boom was happening. So there was actually like quite a bit going on in North Dakota at the time that I was there. What was your first big story that you participated in or that you chased? Probably when we ousted someone on an Indian reservation, uh, one of their main guys, because we had to drive like two hours there and they obviously didn't want us there, but he was a controversial man. And, you know, we did this whole story on him and he ended up, I guess, losing his job. Um, that was an interesting one. India, I mean, yeah, North Dakota has Indian reservations also that are pretty large. Did you anticipate living there for a long time or did, like what was your big, what was the trajectory at that so point? My in goal life? was to keep moving up. Um, I had been there for a year and right before I ended up leaving North Dakota, I had actually been in talks to possibly move to Fort Myers and work there. How long had you been living in um, North Dakota before your accident? I literally had lived there just a year like maybe a year and a week, something crazy. Like, Did your accident happen in the morning or in the evening or? It was like afternoon, middle of the day. We just had bad luck, like uh, hit black ice basically. And, you know, it was nothing. I mean, people's first question is typically, was anyone drinking or it, it was nothing. It was an innocent day. The car hit black ice. Were you alone in the car? Were there other people in the car? Oh, so... It was me and one of my best friends who I anchored the 10 p.m. and she did the 6 p.m. Um, we had met in North Dakota. And ironically, she we, we laughed because she follows me everywhere. When I moved to Chicago, she was working in Madison. Now she works for a station in Miami and lives in the building next to me. Oh um, so we're still very close. But it was me and her and we both had our... It's no longer my best friend, but our best friends at the time um, visiting us. So we were like, what can we do this weekend? We took them to our favorite um, little diner. And then we were like, oh, let's go skiing at this place that we had never been to. So we like hopped in the car and went skiing and it was the four of us. Well, we didn't go skiing, actually. So you never we made never it made to it. the ski mountain. <laughs> no. No. And it wasn't hitting black ice and the car just kind of skid. I mean, the car rolled. You were ejected from the vehicle. It was a very big accident. Yeah. So, and it was like a very desolate road, basically in the middle of nowhere because um, we had to drive, I think it was about an hour and a half or two hours to even get to the place we were going. And probably an hour in or so is when we hit black ice. And my friend that was driving said, you know, we hit black ice, I can't stop the car. And I remember her friend saying to her, whatever you do, don't overcorrect, which like thinking back eight years later, even I'm like spooked by that because it's such like a quick thinking, life-saving, you know, possible moment. Um, you know, when you overcorrect, that's when you can really, really get into trouble. So she, she kind of just let the car do whatever it was going to do. And, you know, we smacked into like whatever was on the side of the road, rolled over, I was ejected and basically was just laid out flat in the snow. How long until paramedics were able to get to you guys? I don't know the exact time. Um, what I do know is that at first I was, I think I must've been in shock because I wasn't like screaming or crying. I was kind of just like, well, this isn't good. And we were there long enough that 
a truck driver finally came by and got out and like covered me with a blanket because we were out in the cold laying on snow, basically. It is interesting to hear you say like those tiny little moments of like, don't overcorrect because even just driving around here in Nashville, um, we'll get ice. But one of the other big things is there's a lot of deer. And so I am always so hyper vigilant and just always, especially driving at night, like you think of like a deer crossing and if a deer leaps and you're driving, you don't swerve, you have to hit it head on for your own. But it's those little, little things. And it's like you and then you think like, okay, there's all these safety, there's all these measures, there's all these things. And at the end of the day, it's like you you just don't know what's going to happen. And the idea that we have this like, you know, checklist of ability to control what happens next is um, it's just not true. Right. It's I mean, there's so much that's out of our control. I mean, what I can say is driving slow is definitely the the smart move. You know, I was just adaptive skiing for the first time. And it's true, like, you just don't know it was beautiful out because it was spring skiing. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, there could be black ice anywhere, which, you know, typically people don't think about, I guess. But for me, it was one of those moments where I'm like, Oh, boy, here we go again. Your family was all in Florida at this time? Yes. Well, my sister lived in New York City. Yes. Okay, but do you but you were alone in the state of North. You didn't have family around. Right. Yeah. By the time you made it to the hospital, by the time you were able to speak with a doctor, I mean, what was the time between the accident before you were told that your life would be changed indefinitely? So I have like kind of a crazy story when I got to the emergency room, I actually knew the ER doctor that was working. I had sat next to him on a plane ride from Minneapolis to North Dakota a couple months prior. I had a boyfriend in Toronto at the time, so I was flying back and the connection was Minneapolis. It was the last flight out and we were delayed, delayed, and I had work the next morning. So, you know, when you're like, just let's, I gotta go. Like, I have work. I can't miss this. Like, can't just miss your news job. There's no one to take it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was already in like a mood. I was like, just get me, you know, home. And we get on the plane and then, you know, plane etiquette. This man is like sitting, humming next to me, like really loudly. And I remember distinctly being bothered by that. You know, I was like, <laughs> shut up. Now is not the time. Like, let's get this plane going. So, I mean, we started talking on the plane ride and Turns out he was a doctor that flew back and forth to North Dakota because we are Mayo um, Clinic affiliated there. And he was a trauma ER doctor. So when I made it to the ER, he was the one on staff that would basically tell me, you will never walk again. And you're 25 years old? I was 24 turning 25, uh, 10 days later. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I don't think that there's anything to prepare anyone for a moment like that. I would assume. No. And, you know, I had a conversation with a friend earlier today who's going through her own stuff. And basically what I told her is, you know, more or less everyone gets something, but it's kind of just like, how are you going to deal with it? You know, you can choose to wake up and be miserable every morning, or you can kind of power through things and change, you know, flip the script and change the narrative here. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I would assume that, that it didn't happen that quickly. It took, it was a process because you're also healing and I'm sure there was a lot of pain, a lot of rehabilitation regardless of your diagnosis. Was there any kind of conversation of options or was that it? Uh, so like I said, the ER doctor flat out told me, you know, before my parents had even gotten there, you will never walk again. And I ended up having surgery in Minneapolis and then being flown to Chicago to do inpatient rehab at Shirley Ryan because my family had researched the best rehab options and that was the top one in the country. So I spent three months inpatient there. I know you're absolutely correct. It's not something that like happens overnight at all. I'm not kidding you when I say I cried every single day for three months. And I would continually ask, will I ever be happy again? And to this day, my dad's like, I would just look at you and keep saying yes. <laughs> He's like, I, I, I don't know. I was just saying yes, 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 you know? It took a very long time, you know. I was I was learning to sit up again. I have pictures of myself, you know, just sitting up and that was a milestone at the time. Learning to get out of bed, learning how to how do you wheel a wheelchair? Like I remember them being like, "Okay, this is how you turn left." And I'm thinking to myself, "Sure. <laughs> whatever at this point, like uh, whatever I have to do." Did you meet anyone else who was it within the rehabilitation center or did you were you able to find community early on or did that not come until later it didn't come until way later i would say but it is interesting because a lot of the men and women that i'm close with now 
um, who have spinal cord injuries actually went to the same rehab and we would overlap by like a week. So maybe I had seen them there, you know, going through their own thing at the time, but we weren't like friends in rehab. In the first year after your accident, is there a moment that you look back on that caught you off guard where you like never anticipated that being something that would be more of a challenge where you were like, I was ready to plan for X, Y, and Z, but you could still not plan for, you know, what was beyond that. Like, you know, because I'm sure that it's like, okay, yep, you, there's someone to teach you how to turn left. There is someone who can explain what it means to now travel with the wheelchair. There is someone who can now explain, you know, what your rehabilitation process will be to a certain point. But was there something else that just caught you off guard where you were like, are you kidding? Like how you can't, like, this is something you cannot prepare for. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I think the communicating with people again, you know, people looked at me differently and spoke to me differently. You know, one example was this woman was sitting outside with her dog and, and she spoke to me like, I, I don't know, like I didn't, I I couldn't understand or, you know, something was wrong with me. Uh, other than a spinal cord injury, I guess. I remember she had a dog with her and she spoke so slowly and and it sounded like almost like belittling and she, do you want to pet my dog? But it was it was just the tone and you can tell she was doing it out of, you know, she like almost felt bad for me or something and the way she spoke. So I would say, you know, having to communicate with people and let them know like, hey, I'm still good. It's just I'm sitting, you know. You referenced earlier about having a moment with your friend who's going through something and and that moment where you wake up and you kind of can there are times when you can, you know, really work hard to make a choice of whether you're going to let something kind of hold you back or weigh you down or you can just see the bright side, see that cup half full, make the lemonade. Do you remember, you know, later on when you when you had that first moment where you like laughed again without thinking about it or where you woke up and just took a breath and you started to feel the light on the other side? Yeah. So I had my mom living with me for a while after, after um, I had been discharged from inpatient rehab. And I remember the time came where I was ready to be, you know, a young woman living alone again in a city and wanted to be able to make friends and, you know, start my life again. And for me, that was kind of like a turning point of, okay, you know, I can do this. Like I can, I can live my life like this and it might not be what I thought it was going to be. And it might look different, but it doesn't have to be, you know, a miserable experience. I imagine that was incredibly emotional for your mom too. And how proud she was of you. She was, but I think, you know, they wanted to get me a life alert. So (laughs) (laughs) like, we settled on an Apple watch and eventually I was like, I'm done with this too. But there was a life alert conversation. I know you gotta love parents. It's like always the, yep. It's still the like, well, I saw you were on a plane and I just want to make sure you landed. I'm like, I, I'm I'm fine. Like I, yeah. (laughs) What would yeah, you do like, anyway you right now? You have to call us when you're getting in the shower. I'm like, all right, <laughs> this is this is a lot now. <laughs> it's boundaries. Boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> what did you want to do next? I mean, when you were ready to to move 
through like this next what your life would look like now? I mean, was it and I'm assuming it was it initially modeling? Was it did you have interest in getting back into journalism? What what did you start to daydream about? I knew from the start I never wanted to get back into journalism. Um, not to say I didn't love it while I was doing it because I absolutely did, but it is an incredibly challenging, time-consuming, you know, hard job. Which, like I said, I did not mind. I, I loved my job, but it, I always in the back of my head was like, I want to have a family, and I don't want to be stuck in a newsroom not being able to like see monumental moments or, you know, I don't want to miss out on certain events. So to me, that was always something that stuck out. So I did not want to go back to that because I would have never quit. But this was now my out for that. But on the other hand, if we're being honest, I had no idea what I wanted to do. It took me a very long time to get back into the swing of things. It's it's a really confusing thing to be completely tossed out of a world that you are so comfortable in and into a world that you know nothing about. Like what's something specific that you remember really acknowledging? Like obviously, I'm sure just noticing which buildings have ramps, which do not have ramps. You know, which restaurants are actually considering um, wheelchair mobility and which ones don't. Were there other things that surprised you in those early years uh, about how society needs to evolve to be more adaptive? Yeah. I mean, even still, I, I go in somewhere and, you know, it doesn't make it accessible just because you have a ramp. You know, there are reasons for the handicapped push buttons to open doors. There are reasons for accessible bathrooms, which I also think is like a major issue. I don't see how in 2023, it's like, we still even have that issue. So yeah, that I mean, I'm always noticing things. There are so many issues still. I know it, you were friends with the, the, uh, the designer who started Off-White. Mm-hmm. And had you thought about modeling before you two had had a conversation about a potential campaign? Not necessarily. I had modeled when I was very young, but it wasn't something that was you know, on my mind. It was more so when him and I had that conversation about wanting representation and, you know, it evolved into that campaign. Um, And that's how it kind of all got started because I always tell people it's not really about me being in the image. Like, yes, it's very cool to see yourself, right? Amazing, cool, great picture. But on another note, I, I think it's so important for people to see representation and, and feel comfortable and included and, you know, see how clothing can fit on them in a wheelchair or out of a wheelchair if you have a body like mine because you're injured. The, I mean, 20% of the U.S. population has some sort of disability with 10% having a physical disability or mobility impairment. If over 3 million Americans use either a wheelchair or an electric wheelchair. So this is not some like super minority group. It is like this is the largest group. Yes. Yes. Did you know any of that before? I didn't. I didn't know much about, you know, the world of disabilities before. I've learned so much. And I think, you know, 
there's a difference between the people who choose to be ignorant or the people that are just uneducated like I was. Um, but yeah, we are, you know, the largest minority and we are a group of people that anyone can join at any time. You know, if there's no predicting your own future. I didn't wake up that morning and say, you know, I'm going to get paralyzed today. So, you know, the representation is so important because it is such a large group. So what was your, when you guys started imagining what um, the off-white campaign would look like, um, what, what was that process like? It was so exciting because Virgil, you know, was always so open-minded and wanted to truly be inclusive. And I loved how he always thought outside the box. So, you know, he came up with the plan of doing active and swimwear because, you know, people don't typically associate wheelchairs with active wear or swimwear. Um, so it was it was a very fun and cool idea to me. But it's adaptive clothing as well. The correct? off-white campaign was not, no. Okay. It was not. Could you Which I could, loved also because okay. I, I don't wear, you know, necessarily adaptive clothing. So for me, it's really important to show that, you know, designers should be designing for all types. Um, and then what, how soon after the off-white campaign did other campaigns start coming in? Probably a couple months after that is when I really started to get into things. Like I said, I, I really didn't have like the intention of, you know, taking off with the modeling career, but I do love knowing that other people can can be helped from seeing images like that. And it's funny sometimes the things that we were like, oh well, that was fun, but it wouldn't it's like the things that are sometimes our calling just become louder and louder to the point where you can't ignore it. And you're like, okay, there's some reason. There's an intention here. Like I can't just keep these blinders on. <laughs> I swear, I think it's pretty much what happened in my life. And, you know, I enjoy helping people and I want to be able to be a voice for people who need it. So it's, it, it's fun and I'm happy that it worked out the way that it did. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You would go on to model for uh, Tommy Hilfiger and obviously uh, Skims campaign, which was incredible. Um, Could you talk a little bit about that experience, especially with Skims? You know, they're like the biggest, it's the Kardashian royalty of the world. And as a step parent, I have purchased many a Skims and and all their makeup lines. I've purchased all their lines. I think we've all purchased something of theirs. Uh, no, it was amazing. Honestly, I was really excited when I got that job because who wouldn't be? I mean, Skims, Kardashian, I'm in. But, you know, they were truly amazing to work with. And they, you know, treated me the same as they would others. And it felt completely normal. It wasn't made like weird and the clothing was nice and adaptive. It was stuff that I would wear even if I wasn't in a wheelchair. I would say it was a great experience and everyone was like super kind and and really nice to me. Could you, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what adaptive and non-adaptive means, could you explain it a little bit? Yeah. So for example, the Skims campaign featured an adaptive bra, which had um, like, it was like a clip closure in the front. So someone, for instance, with um, mobility issues in their hands it might be a little easier for them to open that and close that in the front rather than, you know, the back. And then the underwear also had the same closure on each side. So it could be a limb difference or you could be in a wheelchair, use a cane, but it might be easier to, you know, snap the side rather than pull something on from the floor up. Did they kind of talk about the campaign with you knowing what it was going to be ahead of time? Yeah, I knew what it was going to be. What was it first like seeing it out into the world? Do you remember when it first came out? I was really excited because I think Skims is such a big brand. And for them to do that and make it look good was, you know, life-changing for a lot of people because some adaptive clothing still has such like a medical look to it. Mm -hmm. Um, Not all of it, but a lot does. So to see this and feel like we are included and people can feel sexy and cute and comfortable at the same time, you know, it was really, it was really amazing. I listened to another interview you gave and you were um, with the host discussing like how some people had said like that maybe that Skims was after like a money grab or just trying to make a statement. And it's like, no, that's so ridiculous. Like, again, going back to the percentage of Americans that are wheelchair bound, like this is this is like a very large community that should be represented. 100%. And I think, you know, listen, I'm no dummy. Uh, Skims is there to make money as well. They are a company. So why would you not want to target one of the largest minority groups in the world? You know, like, Obviously, if you're targeting that, you're probably going to make a good dollar on it. But thank you for doing it also. You know, like it is double sided. 
I first heard your name when there was a viral news story. I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. Um, <laughs> a conservative talk show host, uh, mm. Candace Owens, uh, started to comment on Skim's campaign, specifically uh, a photo of you. And uh, it is so ridiculous and, and ignorant, the things that she said. Um, commenting, saying that about the fact that you are in, in a wheelchair, saying, I don't really understand how far we're going to take this inclusivity thing. I don't know why this needed to be done. I'm just getting tired of all this all-inclusivity thing. It seems ridiculous. I, I mean, it went viral, obviously, because of the ridiculousness of her statements. Uh, when did you first hear? And also, you didn't ask for this, like, insane amount of attention to be brought upon you. (laughs) You totally just got roped into this. So I can't imagine like just waking up being like, la-di-da-di-da and being like, what? Why? Now I'm on all these news outlets when I just was... That was wild. And for um, a bra and underwear campaign, like just... I know. Leave me alone. Um, I actually didn't know who she was. Is that crazy that I didn't know who she was? God I feel bless like I get you. Mixed I reviews. wish I didn't know who she was. I really wish I didn't know who she I was. I feel like I got mixed reviews because my best friend had, I mean, I go to bed early. So if you text me at 10 p.m., you know I'm not answering. But I got a couple texts and I'm like, oh, who's texting me? Roll over, check my phone, and it's my best friend. And she's like, you have to watch this video of Candace Owens. She's using a picture of your body and, you know, talking poorly about the Skims campaign. So I was like, okay, like I'll watch it in the morning. I have no idea what this is. So I watch it. And by the time I had woken up, I had, you know, texts from friends all over Canada, different states. And they're like, did you see this? Did you see this? Are you going to respond? Like, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'm obviously going to respond to this. But like, she is such a fool. How long did it take for you to respond? I'm sure. Did did you need a cool down period? Or like, did your journalism days kick in and you're like, I got this? Yeah, I, I think I responded, I believe, like, if I saw it that night at 10pm, and I responded the next uh, afternoon. And I think what benefited my response was that I didn't know much about her at the time, because I was able to kind of keep cool and calm and collected. I got a lot of responses saying, you know, oh, you were so nice. Good for you. I would have said this, this or this. And I'm like, you know, I didn't really know who she was. So for me, it was kind of just like, hit her with the facts and goodbye. But then it wasn't goodbye. There was more. (laughs) (laughs) What did it look like after all those news stories broke? I'm sure a lot of people wanted comments from you. Like, did you feel like this uh, urgency? Did you feel a sense of pressure? Did you feel like this was an opportunity? I just felt like I needed to respond because, you know, to think like that is so asinine. You know, I, I couldn't fathom that someone actually feels this way. Yeah. And to this day, I'm still like, I don't know, does she feel this way? Or is she just like doing this for clickbait and goes home and puts her head down and forgets about this? Like, I really don't know what goes on there. But for me, it was more, you know, sticking up for not only myself, but an entire community of people. Like, who is she to say that? First of all, we're, we're going to take the inclusivity thing far. we already have and we're going way further. So if that's what she's worried about, then, you know, I guess she has a bigger problem. 
in standing up for truly an entire community, what responses have you gotten from from them? Like what did you have? Like, I'm sure you received incredible emails or DMs or messages on social media since this happened. Yeah, everybody has been, you know, very nice. Um, I would say 99% of the people that commented on that TikTok that I responded with have been so kind. Um, I think people are just, you know, sick of idiots, let's say, and happy (laughs) happy to have someone that was willing to put her down or not put her down, but, you know, put her back in her place, I guess. So, yeah, it, it was genuinely good, good responses from people. I know you've talked about like, uh, it, it, there's a sense of being uneducated. And then there's a sense of ignorance and the difference of again, that was an obvious, like, ignorant thing to say. Have you had people who are just uneducated where then you kind of help have to explain, like even obviously that woman with the dog that was does not sound like one of those instances. <laughs> but are there other times in life where you've come across people who were really just trying to understand how they could be more supportive of you and and what those situations have looked like? Because you are also in a unique position that I know I'm sure isn't so unique within the community, but to a certain degree where you had 24 years of not being wheelchair bound. And you've now almost 10 years or? Yeah, it's eight years. Eight years. Yeah. And so you have both of those life experiences. Yeah. So I always tell people you can honestly tell right from the start of a conversation if someone's genuinely interested or has a question or wants to learn versus the people that are just ignorant. It's the difference between someone asking me a question basically that in a kind, normal way or coming up to me and saying something, which is this actually has happened. Where were you going skiing? I don't want to go there. And meanwhile, this man had no idea I was actually going skiing, but you know, that's <sighs> like, who were you raised in a barn? You know, like, <laughs> like I'm like, why, why are you doing this? Do you think you're in a Sims life? Like what these are, you're a real yeah. human person. We are all human yeah. people that have so, filters and you should it's think pretty well, brain. Some, Yeah. Some people lose their filter pretty fast yeah. or, you know, I'll have people come up to me and I think they, they mean well, but some people come up to me and be like, are you going to get out of that thing? And I don't know how I remain calm, but somehow yeah. I'm like, I'm working on it or like, no, no, this is it, you know, but I really want to be like, who asked that? Like, can you imagine going up to someone and saying that? No, no, I cannot. No. Right? No. So it's, you can tell the difference basically, you know, between someone that actually has a question or wants to be educated versus the people that just say outlandish things. And you're like, I got to keep moving because you're, (laughs) you're too wild. Well, you also have to keep moving because you have incredible opportunities just waiting for you at every corner and every turn. I mean, I, I truly believe, especially with your foundation that you've started for everyone. Um, can you share yeah. with the listeners a little bit about um, what's going on with your foundation and what your hope, what your goals are, what you're hoping to achieve and, and reach? Yeah. So the foundation is called For Everyone, and that goes back to um, the campaign name that was for Off-White. It was For Everyone as well. Um, and I had always wanted to start the foundation, but it's so much work and it was kind of scary because I knew nothing about that life, you know, it's 
there's legal work, there's, you know, all the fundraising. And I was bouncing name ideas off of Virgil, obviously. And, you know, I landed on that. And then when he passed away, I was like, all right, we're starting this, we're doing it because he had been pushing me to before that. So the foundation goes back to people with varying disabilities because I personally did not want to pigeonhole myself into just giving back to spinal cord injuries just because I have a spinal cord injury. I feel like there are people with all different disabilities that need help. There are a lot of expenses, therapies, and you know I want to be able to provide those things and help with recreational activities so people can also have fun and enjoy and remember that you know life doesn't suck just because you're injured or have a disability. For anyone that's sought out to listen to this interview because they've recently had a spinal cord injury or a loved one is wheelchair bound and they want to hear more of your story from your perspective, is there anything you'd want to say to them that you've learned in, in the last eight years, not only about yourself, but about the community? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, it does get better. It's hard to believe that in the beginning. I didn't believe it myself. And if someone told me that I'd be happy eight years later, I would have thought that they were nuts. But it does get better and you you do find your way. And, you know, as for the community, some of the best people I've met are because of my injury. You know, I've, I've never seen a group of people that stick together as much as we do. For example, that Candace Owens thing, you don't get one of us, you get all of us. So it's a built-in community for sure. Well, Hallie, I could talk to you all day long, but we are coming up towards the end. And I have five questions that I like to ask all my guests before I let them go. It's just really silly, a little conversation cool down. Just the first five things that pop into your mind or five sentences. All right. Something that you like. Food. Something that you know. Age is just a number. Ooh, yes. I'm turning 36 this weekend and I'm like, well, this is this the end of the rope. I'm like, no, 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 I know. I'm, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm turning 35 soon. I'm like counting down. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> I know. I like went into Urban Outfitters the other day and I'm like, nope, this is not where I shop anymore. I, know. I am past I know. this point. <laughs> <laughs> I do the same thing. Okay. Something that you hate. Cilantro. <laughs> Does that count? Yes, of course. It's just funny. I, <laughs> I love like, that's how I feel about blue cheese. And there's just very specific foods where people either love it or hate it. And cilantro Mm -hmm. is another big one that is on so many things. So many things. Cilantro is a no. Okay. Something that you love that is not like friends, family, but something that you love that brings you joy. Kindness, for sure. Giving back, helping. There's three things for that one. And a quirky little fact about you. Oh my gosh. I have to think. How boring am I? (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh boy. I don't know. Help. Um, a quirky little fact. Is there like, what did you, did you participate in a, I got, um, oh, I got kicked off the dance team in high school because I sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter much now because I can't, <laughs> can't stand and dance. I guess I, maybe I'll be better in a wheelchair dancing. <laughs> this would be your time. This would be, th- yeah. you get to start your own dance team now. Yeah. That's going to be, yeah, you're yeah, you got the present. For everyone and then the For Everyone Dance Studio. Yeah. There we go. Done and done. I love it. Hallie, it's so nice to meet you. And thank you you so much for joining me today. 
if you want to stay in touch with Hallie, if you want to follow Hallie and for everyone foundation, definitely check out her socials on Instagram. She is at Hal Rosa, H A L R O S A. And if you want to learn more about for everyone foundation and stay in touch, check out at for everyone dot foundation. Thanks for joining us today. Take care of yourselves. This has been a Super Boom podcast hosted by me, Candace King, produced by Melissa D. Montz and Diamond Imprint Productions. 